Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, October the 12th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the week of political debates, state Supreme Court's ruling on key ballot initiatives, Little Rock Mayor Mark Stodola's impending big payday, and who knows, maybe some more. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley. Good afternoon. So uh, there were a, a host of political debates on ATN this week that streamed and then aired later. Uh, like most Arkansans, I watched none of them. You watched that's, some, I know. That's the first problem is, uh, I, I mean, I commend ATN for getting these together. And if not for ATN doing it, I don't think there'd be any debates because incumbents don't like to debate. And and so the exposure of them is, is slight on TV, and then there's a little bit of press coverage, but, you know, the press is dwindling, and so there's not much there. So that's one problem. The other problem is is, is the format. Uh, they invite all candidates, and with all due respect to the libertarians who are trying to make a, a, a name for themselves in the state, they've fielded candidates in nearly every race, and that ends up, dividing the time even more between the people who are going to be the main candidates in the race are just simply not going to be a libertarian that's going to make a serious effort to, to win. And I mean, they're trying, I don't mean they're not trying hard, but they're not going to do well. And so that takes time away from the main candidates. Then on top of that, they have this screwy system where they take turns asking candidates questions. And then after that, the person gets two minutes to answer one other candidate rotates to get a chance to to respond everybody doesn't get there's no back and forth it makes no sense whatsoever but all of that said uh the debates do tend to to have people regurgitating familiar talking points but in some cases there's some pretty stark differences between the candidates you know the governor's candidates today asa hutchinson and jared henderson the republican and democrat appeared uh, both said they won uh, I suspect I only saw the tiniest bit of it. I suspect I would have thought Jared Henderson won simply because I like his policies more than Asa Hutchinson. But there have been a couple that were pretty notable. One was particularly the Secretary of State's debate. And I bring this up because this is a race that there's not going to be a lot of money spent on. People aren't going to know about it. But there's a clear difference in the candidates. And Susan Enman, the Democrat, has been a former top staff member of the Secretary of State's office. She handled elections in that office. She, for years, was the election coordinator in Pulaski County. Elections and voting are the biggest thing that the Secretary of State's office is about. She knows it inside and out. John Thurston's been land commissioner and demonstrated during the debate that he really doesn't know much about voting, except to be dismissive of Susan Inman's ideas for, for uh, voting by mail, for example, which a number of other states have done successfully. And so I thought she really beat him to a pulp, and, and particularly on his recent ex- exposure for spending $30,000 on a boat his office didn't need. And he kind of shed his good guy image and was just kind of whiny and querulous and, and said, well, I must be winning if they're attacking me. You know, it was kind of a, it was really a terrible performance. Unfortunately, I, I, I am still afraid that even in a race like this, that, uh, simple branding of political party may be enough to be elected. Same thing in the attorney general's race where I will say this, Mike Lee had some good points to make, the Democrat, including that Leslie Rutledge, the Republican, has been 
a recipient of a lot of money from the opioid industry, and she ought to repudiate it and not take the money. And, and also showing how empty her talk about ethics and government has been and talk, too, about her work on lawsuits that would kill the Affordable Care Act in Arkansas. But he's, uh, she happened to be favored with a candidate who's, he's not a commanding stump speaker, and, of course, she's almost functionally incapable of doing anything but regurgitating well-rehearsed talking points. But she she wasn't as badly outpointed on style as she otherwise might have been. Okay. Well, let's leave it there and move on to topic number two. The state Supreme Court this week turned down two challenges to the proposed constitutional amendment to expand casino gambling in the state. That means that it will be on the ballot. It also reversed a circuit court ruling that the current voter ID law was unconstitutional, meaning that it's going to be in force in November. Yeah, it will it, also be on the ballot. Right, and it had been in force in the primary, so there's no change. I mean, we're, we're already enforcing voter ID. Uh, the Supreme Court had found voter ID unconstitutional four years ago, but three of the, the judges in that case thought it was unconstitutional. Some others had a technical reason. And they reversed the precedent. Uh, and they had there were two dissenters this time. I mean, clearly, showing a voter ID is not part of registration. You have to show a, an ID to be registered. But if you have to show an ID every time you vote, that's not registration. That's a new voting restriction. Clearly, it's, to my view, unconstitutional, but a majority of the Supreme Court said otherwise. Uh, this is... This is a, a tactic that's being used successfully nationwide to depress voting, particularly by poor people who disproportionately tend to be minority people, and they tend to be disproportionately Democratic voters. And it's worked like a charm. It's, it was probably one of the keys to victory for Donald Trump in some very close swing states where voter ID laws were in effect and tens of thousands of people were disenfranchised. And that's, of course, what they want to have happened in Arkansas. If it were left the Republican Party, I think they'd only let rich white men vote. But so far, they haven't quite gotten it down that far yet. But that's that's where we are. Meanwhile, there is a constitutional amendment on the ballot that will settle this question once and for all by firmly putting in place a tough voter ID law. And given that the Republicans seem to have been successful in persuading people that vote fraud is a problem, it's not. It's conclusively not a problem. It'll probably pass. But meanwhile, the casinos are on the ballot, and we will vote on casinos. Well, remind us where everything else is. Minimum wage on the ballot. Survive Minimum wage is on the ballot, but the State Chamber of Commerce is still appealing to the state Supreme Court, uh, challenging some technical problems on voter signature gathering that may yet throw it off. Of course, then the biggie is issue one. That is the so-called tort reform amendment, which would make it hard to sue people for damages for malpractice and that sort of thing. It's been thrown off the ballot by a circuit court, but that's being appealed to the Arkansas Supreme Court. Given the way the Supreme Court is about bowing to the wishes of the legislature, I'm kind of expecting this one to find its way back onto the ballot, and which means millions more will be spent than have already been spent to try and try and pass or defeat this amendment. At this point, I, I am somewhat optimistic that if it is on the ballot, it'll be beaten. Okay, a rare show of optimism. Yeah, you don't hear, you won't hear that much from me. I Though, probably would be disappointed. Money is being spent, as you said, on both sides both heavily. Sides have so some money, there's right. there's no real clear advantage. The business side will have the advantage. I just think it's so. It seems to me 
The business side will have much more money, you think? Oh, yeah. They'll, I mean, really? the Chamber of Commerce, they'll have more than the trial lawyers. I mean, whatever it takes, they'll have. But but it seems to me, this is kind of what it's boiled down to. It's greedy lawyers versus uh, devaluing human life. And I think right now that devaluing human life is winning over greedy lawyers. But, you know, what do I know? Well, and it's a strange coalition, too, you know. The, the, well, the, right, and I, 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 I'm I, on the side of, I'm, I'm clearly opposed to issue one for a number of reasons, particularly that it really limits the right to a jury trial, and if, if the legislature gets control, as the Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families said this week, they'll probably pass a lose-or-pay law, which means everybody would be scared to death to sue, because if you lose, even if you have a really good case, you got to pay the other side's attorney's fees. It's, it's just crazy. But... Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm lined up, of course, on this with Jerry Cox and the Family Council and some people of his ilk. They they have taken the view that it devalues human life, and so it's con- contrary to their pro life position. And so I, I think they're an important ally in this, and they have a good church network, and they'll probably turn out some votes. And so I, I welcome them as uh, comrades in arms on this particular case. Pretty rare. <laughs> Uh, finally, you dug up a uh, interesting piece of news this week. Little Rock Mayor Mark Stodler, who leaves office at the end of the year, is in line for $173,000. This is just screwy. We have this one-of-a-kind municipal government in Arkansas, this blended mayor-administrator form of government in which a strong mayor. <coughs> and when they passed the law to enable it, they said the mayor could make as much and should be paid the same as the highest paid city employee. Now, there's a little question about whether it's really the city manager or it's the airport manager, but just for the, just for the sake of enforcing this, they're saying it's the city manager, and he has a contract that lets him accrue vacation time. And so Mark Stola says, I just almost never take vacation. And after 12 years, I'm due a year and a half's worth of accrued vacation pay, $173,000. He might also claim continuation of his health insurance coverage. And plus, he gets a huge retirement. The city pays 12.5% of his $160,000 pay into a retirement account every year. To me, it's outrageous. I mean, no, no elected official that I'm aware of in the state gets to accrue time off. I mean, that's just an understanding of the job. Yes, you're kind of at work full time, and but but you don't have to be at work. You don't have to work. There, there's no requirement that you go to the office. That's part of the reason you don't get to accrue vacation time because some work and some don't. Uh, I just think it's outrageous that he'd seek $173,000 check. Whether So you fault him and not the city for being asleep well, at the wheel? Well, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, his point of view is is that's what the law requires why shouldn't he take advantage of it and i mean yeah i don't think you can stop him legally i I, based on what i've reviewed of of the contract i think it's possible i just think it's indefensible i mean no other elected official i know from the governor to a justice of the peace gets to accrue vacation time and it's just i i don't i don't think people knew this and i think if they did know it they'd be against it but I mean, I, I guess if it's legal, it's legal. But I, I just think it's not good. Well, we've gotten through three topics very efficiently, so let's let's talk about a few more things uh, on the slightly more arcane end of the spectrum, uh, though I think a number of our listeners will appreciate it. Uh, tell us what's going on with uh, the Arkansas Judicial Council meeting and, uh-huh. uh, and number of judges and Justice Sean Womack. Well, 
Yeah, this is mostly of interest to people in the judicial system, but there are apparently a few judicial districts in the state where they feel they need some more judges. And so, and I, I mean, I don't have a dog in that hunt. If, if they're overworked, they're overworked, and they say they need more judges. Well, John Womack, who's a, who's a former Republican senator, member of the Supreme Court, decided some months ago to take it upon himself to say how this should be solved. And, and sort of installed himself as the authority on how judicial districting was going to be worked. He said, first of all, we're not going to do what we've normally done, which is ask the legislature for more money to create a new judgeship. We've got to get new judges by just cutting them out of other districts. He said there are a lot of judges about to retire. We can, we can eliminate their jobs and move them to another district because without harming anybody. Well, and this was kind of going along, and he took a role on a committee that studies judicial allotments. It's supposed to be composed only of circuit judges, not a Supreme Court judge. And finally, some judges started raising a ruckus about it. One of them was Bynum Gibson, who's a judge in South Arkansas, and he's a former Democratic legislator and knows how to play politics. And he and the other judges in his district, which would have lost a judgeship, wrote a letter objecting to it and said, number one, Sean Womack has no statutory role in this decision, which is correct. Uh, he's been taking part in votes on a committee on which he doesn't have a right to sit, which is correct. And furthermore, he's harming South Arkansas by taking away judgeships down there, some of which include districts that are in the so-called Hunt Decree, which was a federal court lawsuit that set up some majority black districts so blacks would be elected to judgeships. And, and that decree said that you can't change these districts without a court order. And he was blithely setting out drawing district lines without any regard to that. Well, having been on the front edge of this for a while, they had their judicial council meeting this week in Rogers, and uh, the other judges were loaded for bear, thanks particularly to this letter that came out of South Arkansas. Number one, they had some lawyers from the Legal Defense Fund of the NAACP there to say, no, gosh, you got to consider the black judges before you start messing with districts. And they refused to go along with changes unless there was a concrete proposal that they could review, and there wasn't one. And then the final, the coup de grace was, is that the, the judicial committee met and said, we, we think, yes, there, there's justification for five new judgeships. We recommend their creation and that they be funded by the legislature. Then Womack stood up and gave his plan, which says, no, nah, let's, uh, let's take them away from other places. And there was a movement to adjourn the meeting without a vote on Womack, and so it was. And the, the meeting ended, and he was shut out. And then the thing went forward to the full judicial council, which is all the judges in the state, and they voted to uh, fund five new judgeships. It'll be devilishly hard for Womack to work any political will around this. And he spends a lot of time lobbying the legislature and he's a Republican and they're in the, in the majority, but this is an issue that doesn't necessarily split on partisan lines. I mean, that is legislators have their own judges and they listen to them to a certain degree. And so it's a regional issue. Yeah. It's also a regional issue. I mean, the long and short of it was, is uh Womack got uh, his uh, rear handed to him. He got routed by the other judges and, he, he didn't help himself or his stature by getting routed so badly either, which I'm not particularly sorry about. I wrote this morning that he's on the speaking program for a Republican fundraising dinner in Baxter County, 
and yet again, and I'm speaking immediately before David Sterling, a candidate for Supreme Court, and here you have two declared Republicans running for a nonpartisan judgeship on the strength that they are Republicans. And I'm sure they wouldn't see any problem in them sitting on cases that involve Democrats and say that they could fairly do it while they're the same kind of guys that say Wendell Griffin's religion keeps him from uh, deciding death penalty cases anyway. There's no shortage of hypocrisy on the Republican side of the ledger in Arkansas or or anywhere else for that matter. Let's stick to the law but move to a different court. We read and hear often about how uh, Donald Trump is is changing the the tenor and landscape of of uh, the the judicial system with his appointment massive appointment of judges everywhere. But as you wrote today, uh, there's at least one open federal right. position. I was, I, I was reminded that we've had an open judgeship in Little Rock since March when Leon Holmes took retirement. I was reminded of it because number one, Senate Democrats rolled over and let 15 new Trump judgeships go through. And this is two days after he'd nominated 13 more far right-wing people to the court, 13 out of 13 men, by the way. But nothing's happened in Arkansas in this opening. And I had heard several months ago on very good authority that Troy Braswell, a circuit judge from Conway, was uh, the likely candidate that perhaps even background checks were underway on him. But that apparently is no longer the case. We've got nobody going forward, and there's an open judgeship in Little Rock that nothing's being done about. And as of today, nobody really knows exactly why that is. If indeed Braswell was the pick at one point, either he decided he didn't want the job or Trump decided he didn't want him for the job. But in any case, we've got an opening. It also pointed out to me that another choice patronage job hadn't been filled in Little Rock, and that's the job of U.S. Marshal. Uh, that's a political appointee, and the previous appointee, an Obama appointee, retired at the end of Obama's term, expecting to be replaced, and he hadn't been replaced yet, almost two years in. Huh. So I don't know. Arkansas just isn't important, I guess. Okay, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? I've probably done this before, but I've just become nearly addicted to uh, carrot cake at Boulevard Bakery. That's all I can say. <laughs> carrot cake with buttercream icing. I just have to slip by there just about every day to buy buy a piece to share with my wife. It's just, I did yesterday divert slightly and got their pumpkin cake roll, which is kind of a similar deal with uh, pumpkin spice cake and buttercream icing. But I just, I, I could eat a whole one, I think, if given an opportunity. Sounds Sorry, that's uh, kind of gross, but no, that that's sounds, all I got. That sounds delightful, especially with this cold weather. Yeah, thank uh-huh. goodness, finally. Uh, I'm going to endorse the new album by Philadelphia singer-songwriter Kurt Vile. It's called Bottle It In. I've only listened to it once. It just came out today. Kurt Vile? Kurt Vile. Is like the Three Penny Opera guy? Uh, but it spell it the same? No, it's V-I-L. Like, oh, like Vile. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, He's a sort of stonery uh, singer-songwriter, writes pretty music. It, it's it's uh, At least makes me feel like it's a good soundtrack for a cold, rainy day. Check it out. And check out our other podcasts at arktimes.com slash podcasts. Well, and I hope you've registered to vote. Now, too late now. Too late now. <laughs> but early voting starts October 22nd. Vote, whatever you do. Definitely. We'll see you next time.